you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me as always, Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. We've uh, we've had a couple of playoff series since our last show. Uh, we'll be discussing them in a minute. We do also have some Flyers news. It'll probably take up a lot of the first half. Uh, before we dive into it, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, search You Would Think Podcast. We'll pop right up. We're trying to grow over there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Derso. Uh, all right. So uh, where do you want to start here? We, uh, obviously, we're starting with the Flyers. Um do we want to yeah, start with the I most, mean, do we, do we want to start with the most recent news? I feel like it's the the freshest kind of in the mind. Uh, the whatever made by you steer the ship, I'll just go wherever you decide to go. Okay, uh, <laughs> I've been so it it happened a couple of days ago. I've been thinking a lot about the comments uh, from Danny Briere, sure, uh, surrounding Carter Hart. Yep, and the general gist of it is the fact that he's not calling anybody. He's not exactly knocking on doors and shopping Carter Hart, but. He has expressed a willingness to, if someone makes a call, he's willing to listen. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard anything? Is there any rumble of anything? Or is this just kind of Danny Briere leaving the door open? No, I, I think that this is Danny Briere continuing the PR tour, so to speak. I mean, everybody has been speaking in an, I mean, in just total abundance at this point. I mean, you know, you've got Keith Jones doing a lot of doing appearances. Eventually, Crazy. You know, like well, like crazy, but also then popping on to TNT and still doing the games well, on top that, of it. That's so. the part that I think is crazy. I, the fact when is that the last time to... right? When is the last time you saw somebody get hired for a job with a team? Really, honestly, it doesn't matter the job, but you leave your media job. Like that's how this Pretty works. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, and for the record, I'm not knocking him. I, I no, am no, no. I mean, positive he is doing it. You know, completely conflict free. He is. A fantastic broadcaster, as evidenced by his 20-plus you know years in the industry. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. Is he doing it probably, you know, objectively in Conflict th- conflict 3? Sure, he is. I think he's Well, as, as conflict-free as Jonesy ever is, let's be honest. He's a no, hard-on-his-sleeve kind of guy. <laughs> sure. But I also sit there and I look and I go, you know what? Listen, there's there's always an advantage to broadcasting in any form. I mean, like, it, to me, it like it's a little bit... Like if they take a guy whose team is no longer in the playoffs and say, you can join the panel this week. Like John Cooper was on TNT's panel for one, like one of the nights, right? Does that not give you, I'm not saying it's a competitive edge because his team season was over. That's why he's on it. But at the same time, you're kind of in a way doing homework, right? Like you're still watching two other teams and going, oh yeah, like I'm breaking it down, but I'm watching it. And he's a coach. He's going to watch it with a coach's eye. There's no way he's not right. So I don't see any difference in Keith Jones getting in, you know, in between the benches and kind of let's just wait. To me, that's even further. That's taking homework a step further because you're not only experiencing <laughs> the game, but you're experiencing it at player level. A little on the bench the tampering. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, no, I absolutely not. Like I'm that, but I also, kidding. but I, yeah, but I do think that you're you're definitely picking up on. There, there's things you're going to be picking up on there because it's the way that, again, you're kind of watching it the way a coach would to an extent. And I'm not saying that he was ever going to be the coaching type, but right. you pick up on little things and you're watching a lot and you're doing – so I don't have a problem with it in the world. But, oh, but I, don't, I don't have I don't a problem think, with that. Oh, I know. It, it is weird. I will say that. It is a little strange. Weird. Well, you know what? It, you know what? It, it was in the very beginning and then it became very normal again really quick. Sure, because it's Jonesy and that's right, what he does. It, like, and he's it's just, just – Exactly. He makes you feel at ease just – 
really honestly without effort. He yeah. just seems like the easiest guy in the world. Anybody on planet Earth could saddle up next to him in a bar stool and just start talking about life. Which is why they're rolling him out the way they are. Because Absolutely. You look, if you're trying to get a message across, then you, you like we said this last show, you could do a lot worse than Keith Jones to start with because these broadcaster types seem to, you know, they're, they're just good communicators. They just are. So sure, that's a great place to begin with it. So in the case of Danny Briere going on, and this was on WIP, by the way, um, I don't think there's anything to it right now because to be honest, I think if there was, if there was anything to anything out there right now, we'd be hearing a whole lot more about it than what we do right now. Like Fair. there's you like, you know what? There's a lot to right now. There's a lot to coaching vacancies. There's a lot to GM vacancies that's piling up right now. Oh yeah. Player movement. Not right now. Like you get through the final and, well, and half, half the league doesn't have a GM or a president of hockey ops or some important front office position that they're trying to not make moves. No, but they're, they are winding down really fast with some of this. I've seen a lot of a, a lot of rumors about a lot of places where people could be going. I know that there's a couple Man, of there was a couple of coaching hear, hires that were made. Did you hear Mitch Marner to Carolina? I didn't hear it. No, I didn't talk really. About that later. I didn't really, and to be honest, stuff like that, I do not buy this early into the offseason no, because I think not. it's a lot of, let's just say, that just, doesn't that feel like a little bit of an easy one to kind of just throw out there and stir the pot with? Like well, Carolina just got knocked out. Toronto is looking, maybe looking to shake up the core. Let's well, just especially when Toronto, Toronto does not have a general manager yet. Now, it looks like it's going to be Brad Treliving, but I, we have right. no news as of the recording of this show. Well, that's and that's the thing, right? So you've got a bunch of moving parts where it's Brad Treliving could be going to Toronto. Kyle Dubas is probably in the running for Pittsburgh. Sounds like he might be at the top of that list. Well, it, it certainly seems the impression I've gotten from Elliot Friedman is uh, via the 32 Thoughts podcast, not via personal text message or anything. Um, <laughs> you but the, you're, oh, you're green, oh right? yeah. Elliot. 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 Anyway, um, the impression you get listening to 32 Thoughts is that Kyle Dubas really wants the Ottawa Senators job, and they're, he's, he's waiting on them. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are waiting on Dubas, essentially, yeah. is kind of where that logic is. It's all over the map, isn't it? Um, yeah, if he doesn't go to Ottawa, he will likely end up in well, Pittsburgh. So, and then, so we're, rooting, and, we're rooting for the Senators real hard because Kyle Dubas is a good GM. <laughs> and that's just general managers. I mean, the other one you have is uh, Craig Conroy got hired in Calgary. That's done, finished, already already spoke. It's all done. Like, yep. he's he's the GM there. Um but then you've got coaching news that was coming out today too, because you know you have you know Washington's got a new coach. The whole the Nashville thing was crazy today. I don't, did you catch that one? I did not. What happened? We were busy at work today. Okay, so <laughs> so basically Barry Trotz that we talked about this before. Barry Trotz is taking over as the general manager in Nashville, right? right? Bill, yeah, yeah, and Brian, you know, and yeah, Poyle is leaving. David Poyle's leaving. Yeah, David Poyle stepping down. Well, not, only, yeah, not he, leaving. He's going senior. Yeah, he's going senior. Basically, he's going the Bob Clark route, right? Pretty much. I, and and like, know. and like, listen, fair. But I mean, he's been with that organization since the literal day one. So forever. I, um, so kind of at random today. Not only did you know John Hines out, like okay, and that's a little bit understood because you're kind of you're, you're switching top of the guard, so you can make a change. I get that. But this but, long after the season, though, I don't well, know. Oh, hold on, it gets like, better. You've known this not was coming. Was, not only is John Hines out, they already had the replacement. They've made the hire. It's done. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's, Andrew, and it's Andrew Brunette. 
Which that I actually is... think is a really solid hire for them for where they are and what could oh, come yeah. of that. But all over the place. And oh, by the way, I'm sure you've heard this one by now because this is, this is a couple days in the making. And Elliot had this already, I think. So yeah, you obviously have heard who it sounds like is getting the Ranger job, right? I think I missed that one. Really? Okay. Um, oh, it's Laviolette, isn't it? Yes, it's Laviolette. God. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, can you stay out of the metro, please? For the so love how many of more, holy no, cow! So how many years until Peter Laviolette's coaching the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we all have a laugh about what happened with Bilesma? I, you know, you're not wrong. You know what? And after that, you might as well, <laughs> well go to Carolina. Well, uh, he already did. Back to Carolina. Yeah, right. So back. Okay. No, no, they weren't in the metro when he was there the first time. Well, that's true. Count. But still, well, so you, but people are counting that anyway. And he coached the Islanders for you know a cup of coffee too. So right. So you got Insanity. Islanders, Hurricanes, Flyers, Capitals, Rangers. It's There's crazy. not many more left. It's what is it? Pittsburgh, the Devils. Pittsburgh, the Devils, and then that's. I think that's it. Is Columbus. that it? Oh Columbus. In Columbus. Okay. Peter, listen. We get it. You like I ninety five. Holy. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. He no, he no, he doesn't like I ninety five. He likes taking Amtrak up and down to wherever he can go. I mean, you just need Amtrak to get to all these places, don't you? Peter likes Wawa. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so anyway, back back to, back the, Flyers. to the Carter Hart. Uh, the Flyers were one of the first teams to kind of lock in their general manager. So they For real, though, actually, yeah. Well, right. So theoretically, they're kind of sitting on the front end. You know, they're they're ahead of the game in terms of their moves. I'm sure they've already done a little bit of feeling around. Yeah. Um, if if there is any feeling around to be done, and and we all kind of expect there to be, uh, so well, we just, expect there to be with players that we suspect aren't going to last much longer. So, yeah. you well, know, and, 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 I don't and know. You, I think I think we see at least one big piece move this summer, whether it's well, I don't Pro know Rob what, yeah. or Konechny or and I, and I honestly Hart. wouldn't know what to expect. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Everything should be on the table and be discussed, and it should be you, every, everything. Everybody should be open to everything. Very few players are off the table completely. You're just here. not gonna know much until I mean, it's gonna by this point it's a little less than a month from now, but it's not that much. You know, I'm not saying much sooner than that to be honest, because you're gonna come up on the like the last possible day of the Stanley Cup final is June 19th, right. and then the draft is the 28th and 29th. So the, and then free agency is July 1st. So the gap between all of this is very minimal. It's gonna be a busy and two it's weeks. For probably you. gonna be a really busy two weeks. Exactly. It's going to be a busy two weeks for everybody covering hockey. But I just think it's really I, – I just think that this whole concept – because I think – I just think that this is a topic that was not blown out of proportion, but it was made such a big deal when it was like – like I've been saying this for a while anyway, that you don't actively shop Carter Hart per se, but you also don't turn people away and be like he's untouchable. There's no such thing on this roster. As well, an untouchable. Unless, well, right, unless you are twenty one year old twenty one year old Tyson Forrester or something like that. Like well, I can understand not trading Tyson Forrester and saying, Well, we're gonna wait and see what he has. But you don't you don't look at anybody else and say, you know, I'm turning everything away for nothing. You know, like no. if it's a good offer, you may you have to entertain those. I definitely and, agree. And people and aren't that, coming for the obvious, right? Like people aren't coming for Owen Tippett per se. Like I think people realize by and or Noah Cates, like people realize while they're on an entry level deal that they're easy to sign and they're affordable. And it's well, and you we know, have gotten and we have gotten that messaging from Danny Briere. It, it does right. seem to be a message of you know he he is making it known that his phone line is open. And sure, he's not and calling I think that's anybody. Great. 
but also that I don't think there's a whole lot of untouchables. So, uh, but the, okay, but here's the one thing about that to an extent because there's there's a lot of different directions that this conversation goes because for you get the people who say, "Are you crazy? Don't do it," because and and that instantly point to the topic we're going to get into for the rest of the show down the line, which is the Stanley Cup final, and immediately point to one particular goaltender on one of those two teams. I think you can figure out which one and and talk about him being a member of the Philadelphia Flyers at one point in time and and immediately just know and immediately go down that path. Then yeah. you have then you have people who sit there and say, you know, forget mentioning that particular goaltender. Just go, are you crazy? He's 24. What are you doing that for? Or are you crazy? He's your best player. Then there's others who sit there and go, well, he's not that good anyway. Right. Like well, there's and there's it's, every it's... sort of avenue. It's also just very different from the last time the Flyers traded one of these goalies. I, well, it the is. Team, but... That team was ready to win. This, right. Or they thought they were. This team is um, very not, and they kind of know it. So it's a little bit of a different animal trading a guy who's 24, and you can theoretically there are some asterisks in the Carter Hart trade that you know we can get into if you'd like but uh there there are <laughs> no, some yeah. things that affect his trade value but other than that well, and his trade value is about the highest you're looking at a guy who is making well, sure under five million dollars for another year and then is under team control after that is still only 24 years old this is the kind of asset that if you make available other GMs one just plain and simple we're talking about an above average goalie here sure and a goalie who's capable of starting in bulk and i get that and a a guy who has taken canada to gold at world juniors you know as as smart as that may be well Um, exactly and that's one and sure listen that's one piece of it that makes him tough to trade right now because there are teams that are skeptical of that probably really the biggest thing yeah it it is but you know what Sometimes goalies don't produce the value you think they're going to just because you think they're the most desired commodity. The The right answer for most teams when it comes to goalies is, did I draft enough of them and which one stood out the most later on? You know what I mean? It's not, it's not I signed one. Like, it's not I signed one. It's not I traded for one. It's, That's fair. It's did I draft did, did the I right develop one? one. And, yeah. and and the key, like the the biggest example of all of that is you just scour around certain areas is you can sit there and you can go ask both teams in New York how they feel about that process Fair in enough. a way in a way. I mean, and look, this is a question mark, I'm br- but I'm bringing it up anyway because it is a draft goalie. Ask Pittsburgh. Actually, ask, P- ask Pittsburgh in every key goaltender they've had in the last 15, 20 years Fair because. Enough. From Flurry to Murray to Tristan Jari, it's like, you know, okay, you've got all these guys who you eventually worked with. And by the way, let's not forget that the other goalie in Pittsburgh was also, we'll kind of tie this in a little bit, was also at World Championships for Team USA and looked pretty darn good throughout. So it's like, you may have somebody there. And again, that's another one who you just, you know, you worked with them through the process. You didn't just happen upon him. You didn't just you know, strike gold in free agency or in a trade or something like that. So we don't see this very often. And even most of the winning goaltenders over the last several years, okay, maybe not in Colorado last year, because that was a different case, but Andre Vasilevsky drafted and developed. Um, You know, you think, think of Jonathan Quick drafted and developed, you know, at least Corey in LA. Crawford. Corey Crawford was, you, you know, yeah. you can go down that whole list and, and get there, it, you know, 
and 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 you know, and guess what? Even in crazy situations, like okay, Martin Brodeur is another one too, drafted and developed, right? But right? but, but, but even, even over in the crazy last decade or so, Connor Hellebuck, Carey Price, like all guys who just kind of came up through the. But same even system. think, of, but even think of like the most substantial goalie trade you can probably think of, and you know, Patrick Waugh going from Montreal to Colorado, was it a big deal? Like. It's a big deal newsworthy-wise, but did he get traded for high value? No, he wanted out, so they had no leverage. Yeah, he sure did. So, he very publicly wanted out. So He just told the owner Colorado, he was leaving, so, period. So just because Colorado got a Stanley Cup, a Hall of Fame goaltender who then won two Stanley Cups with them, doesn't mean that it sends the team that traded him back substantial value. It That's usually, t- it, like, honestly... I think the hardest part about goaltending in the NHL, at least from building the position, is you have two goalies on your roster, or at least in your starting lineup every night, or on your bench every night, and only one net. Fair. And, and, and most and most of them want the spotlight, and if they're not going to get the spotlight in one spot, then they will try their hand somewhere else, but it doesn't always work out that way because sometimes those years of sitting around doing nothing and kind of back, you know, if you're the guy who's backing up Andre Vasilevsky for 55, 60 starts. Brian Elliott had a sweet gig this year. Come on. Well, he did, but link, but, but it's different if you're the younger guy. That's fair. If you're the guy who after playing all this time in juniors or internationally or in the minors or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're told park it because the other guy's that good. Brian Elliott's hanging out at the local Margaritaville. And, Bri- and Brian Elliott's <laughs> sitting there trying to do one thing and one thing only, especially when playoff time rolls around, and that's win. Yep. You know, absolutely. Be, you know, like I just saw it pop up the, the, a few seconds ago about okay, Sergey Bobrovsky's the one who's running the show in Florida right now. How do you think Alex Lyon feels? And there is an article about it, so I know the guy who is. saved the season. Yeah. Right, but he. How do you think he feels right now while he's not playing? He's going. Well, that's what I'm saying. Be, right. He's he's sitting here going, "This might be one of the best runs I've ever seen from any goalie, anytime, anywhere." And he's the one just sitting on the bench, high fiving people at the end of the day because it's he's four wins away from a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. And, and didn't you know, do anything more than play the first three games of the first series. Uh, that's it. He also single handedly dragged. Well, he them got into the them playoffs. in. I'm not. Come on that, now. Also, Don't discredit Alex Lyon. Yeah, but for the actual playoff run. Beyond, especially beyond the first round when everybody thought they were going to lose. That's fair. It's but all Bobrovsky beyond yeah, that point. But I guarantee you, you ask every guy on that team and we'd go, well, we're not here without him. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. I'm nah. not discounting so, that at all. But I'm saying the guy who sits on the bench and collects the ring. At absolutely. The the doesn't care. So back to the Flyers. If you're yeah. Danny Briere. Yes. And you yeah. have access to the, the, 30, the 32 GM WhatsApp chat. How... <laughs> How aggressively are you? How aggressively are you sliding into DMs to get rid of Carter Hart here? Like, are you aggressively shopping him? Are you putting out feelers? Are you just not pushing the issue at all and waiting for somebody to come to you? Like, where are you at on this? Okay, and this is this is one of the, air, the avenues I was talking about because there's a lot. There's also this thought process of. You know, because because I guess the language of the whole thing is not actively shopping, but listening. Right. And which kind of implies your last portion of what you're asking me, which is, are you just kind of? It like, seems like that's like, what the flyers are like, doing. Like, at least from me with your offer. Right. And and that's a little bit of the right. It's a little bit the right way to do it because no, you're not actively shopping him. I mean, you led Briere led the whole thing with we don't we see him as our franchise goalie, but I have to listen. Right. That's where that's the position we're in. I don't think Briere needs to text anybody about the situation the team's in. I think it's well known. So I don't think he needs to explain it to anybody. 
you know, do man, do I, I think you text there? Kevin Adams. No, well, here's the thing. Do you sit there and just bide your time and try to let everybody come to you? Probably not. But maybe like and maybe that that's the direction you're talking about. Maybe you text a guy and just try to put feelers out about what would you offer? Detroit. Poof. Um, Oof. Detroit's tricky because of Huso, and they, they just inked him for a little while. Yeah, but they were not thrilled with the goaltending performance they got. Oh, I'm not saying they should be. Yeah. The, the, well, and Nedeljkovic was not good. I, I don't know what happened there, by the way, because, man, was he good in Carolina. I guess it's the de- defense, right? You don't I, play behind that structure. I guess you're not it as good. It might just be goalies are weird, man. You never know. Go to a different place, and it's weird. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, the other ones that you're going to hear a ton about over the next especially you bring Carter Hart into it. You bring goaltending into it. You're going to hear Edmonton a lot, especially, I mean, Edmonton seems obvious, not just because they have goalie questions, but it's, I'm for God's sake, it's his hometown. Stewart's pretty much good this year. I, think, I don't think, you know, I don't think you do it. I don't think Edmonton does right. it to be honest. Edmonton doesn't have a, a need to Edmonton doesn't need, like if Skinner continues to progressively get better, they don't need goaltending. They now need better defense. Right. To be honest, and I look, I, I praised Evan Bouchard to death over the course of the, their playoff run because I think he's also going to be one who gets better as he gets more experience. But, well, I, I but also, we also know what we we kind of know how we feel about the Darnell Nurse contract, and we know how we feel about kind of the rest of that defensive group. And it's like you got some work to do there. Yeah, it's so, it's going to be an interesting offseason for them for sure. Uh, I, mean, I, wonder, I, I I heard I wonder, Toronto a little bit too, by the way. I heard Toronto's. That's like, definitely well, or at least as a, as a suggestion, which of well, course being brought up as a suggestion. But like, how how ironic would it be? They're they're going to do everything they can to jettison the Matt Murray contract, probably. But you got to be how, careful about that. It, how interesting would that be? You just yeah, but you got to be very careful if you're on Danny Briere's side of all this for what you take on. If you're looking to shed salary, be careful. And if you're looking to well, I think Move the number you I think the think. number is fairly similar to Carter Hart's. It's just it's oh, I thought just it was the a, term on it. I thought it was a little bit more than Hart. I'm looking at Hart was Man. Murray's was pretty. I thought Murray's was pretty rough. I thought it was around five. I, I thought yeah, it, it is, more. but Hart's is still below four technically. So okay, Matt Murray has one more year left. Okay, this upcoming season at six point two five. Yeah, I can't go there for one year on nah. a team, on a team that's tanking and theoretically clearing cap space. And you're and you're getting rid of Hearts, you know, almost five. I'm, I'm assuming in a in a swap here. Well, and Hearts taking yeah, on Hart's contract up to, and I don't, I you know, I don't he, know. But about he's that. an R. I listen. If if Toronto is going to make another kick at the can with the Big Four, and Brendan Shanahan has apparently told them that he would like to see all of them back, which is insane. But whatever. Um, if they if they're making another kick at the can with this same core, then they're going to need some goaltending help and. You know what? I'll tell you and what. And they're also a team that's looking to trim a little salary. So no, that's I agree. A and then, makes a lot know, of sense for them to uh, drive the value up. Yeah. Then I'll tell you what. What's the offer back? If if you're taking that contract on, then what else is in the offer? So, if, so what if, if it's you're Matt- throwing some, If you're throwing something pretty juicy in there, then yeah, okay, I'll listen a little more. But like the, the concept Hart, of swapping the two out is not appealing to me at all. Carter Hart and the Flyers second round pick next year oh. for for Matt Murray. Yeah. I just had the name and I lost it. Um, Matt Murray and Nick Robertson. I'd rather have picks than 
players, honestly. At that I mean, point. I get it just from based on where the where and, the and team is at. You know, rebuild. you know, you know what? But I think Nick move, Robertson slides into the this fact. The fact that you went, to, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. That would be a nice player to slot in and see how it works. But I'll tell you what: the fact that you even went to a second rounder right away, the team that you know, the team that doesn't have one this year to begin with, let's ship off the net like next year's while we're like. Right. I just, no, if, 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 you know what. If Danny Briere would be doing the right thing by listening on offers for Carter Hart, because you can't be committed to anybody on this roster right now beyond the next year or two at this point, re- grand scheme of things. I know there's other players uh, right. that obviously are, but like you get the point. If you're, if everybody is, you know, if there's no such thing as an untouchable on this roster and you have to listen, then I would hope that the other side of the message that that provides is we're not looking to trade draft picks just to sweeten a deal for somebody else to get something you know like you know what that becomes if you do that if you trade carter hart and a pick just to help them get matt murray off the books for even for that last year okay. that becomes that becomes kind of indirectly danny briere saying exactly what chuck fletcher said when they traded zach McEwen to get the fifth round pick and said oh wait you need to trade brendan lemieux first just throw him in we'll help you like that's to me, that second rounder is will help you. Okay. Okay. What if it's what if it's Carter Hart for Matt Murray in a first, or a Carter Hart and a third or fourth for Matt Murray in a first? The, see, the first interests me, and okay. I would then be a little more open to it. I still don't like the idea of trading another pick with it, but and you you know what I mean? Something no, like that, whether no, it's no, no, a prospect or you know. But you're shooting. At, see, now you're shooting in the right direction. You want to throw like a a top end pick in there, and I'm not saying a first sure. round pick from Toronto is going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be top 10, let's be real, but... Right. But, but a first-round pick just still has value. And, well, and yeah. who knows? What kind of first-round pick when it really is all said and done? Because they could be a team that flounders again, first-round exit, and it's top 20. And, and, you know, they're the kind of team that if you get a pick in 2025 or 2026, who knows what that team's going to look like with all the contracts they have coming up. If they're it's stupid also, enough to try to pick three years out, I mean, that's on them, but sure. And well, you know, but it's really, you know, and cause this is a thing, cause I was on OMB podcast last week and this came up a lot, but this was, it was more about what would it take to trade back into the first round this year was kind of the question. It was right. the answer. Like, and the answer is it's hard to construct trades right now, not in terms of where we are in the off season, but in terms of you just don't have a lot. I mean, yep. You don't have a lot to move yourself up. You have no seconds this year. So how do you get back into well, the first this year? And, you and pretty much don't. And that's why I think we're going to see a major piece move this year. I think Danny Briere is going to take a big piece, whether it's an Ivan Provorov or a Travis Konechny or even a Joel Farabee. Not that yeah. I want that to happen, but I think it could. And break that down into lots of smaller assets. So it's, my it, There's a cupboard that needs to be restocked. Sure. And... It it's very look. It's very complicated. It, it, it's going to be fascinating. There was something I, I was trying to think because I was something I saw relatively recently that kind of had to do with you know the idea that this is. I'm trying to think of the right words of how it was placed because it wasn't it wasn't geared toward like I, I guess it was geared toward the idea that there would be a lot of movement potentially and maybe that's not what we mean by that. It's just a lot of like like. What decisions are made are going to obviously be big, and there's a lot of them to make, and there certainly is a reason to believe that several players will not be back next year from the previous year. But 
the level of how much that happens, I think, is what is a little bit in question because how much can you do in one offseason, especially when you're kind of brand new to the game and not trying to shortchange yourself on what guys are worth. So, you know, th that's the tricky part with a lot of this. And I think that that's where we're going to have to really think about just a lot about where this team, not, not where this team is headed because we know that answer pretty firmly, but more more about what's the starting point for where they're trying to go and how much does and how much needs to be accomplished in year one of this process and this plan you know like maybe the answer is honestly not a lot because you're shedding salary in a couple of areas by doing nothing you're right. going to try to shed salary in some other ways and maybe the rest of the answer is just riding it out for another year while players develop and seeing where it goes you're and gonna good, sign some guys in mid-august that didn't sign anywhere else and then you're gonna try to trade them at the deadline yeah, <laughs> potentially well uh, see i'm countering that a little bit because it's either you're gonna do that to fill out your roster or you're going to have a bunch of guys who you couldn't move even with one full year left and you're going to play it out with them until yep. you get to deadline time next year, but it's going to be the same guys. And that's going to be a little bit different than I think what people may be expecting. Like you almost have to table some of the movement. I think there's some, like, don't get me wrong. I think there's certain players. And I think some, we've talked enough about most of them at this point for, so people should know. Um, there's certain players who I think you can suspect I don't want to put a definite on anything, but will probably be moved simply because of the way that things went over the last 12 months in right. terms of the new, you know, from the new coaching staff to now a new general manager in place, for, their own relationships within the room and within the, the organization itself, and maybe their desire to play for the organization. Some of those things are going to work themselves out. But and the for rat. example, the, the most notable name there is probably Kevin Hayes. Well, and that, yeah, that's exactly where I'm going with it. And yeah. it feels like the writing's on the wall there. But yeah. there's certainly others, and I think Pro Rob and Connecting are good examples of this. Yeah. There's certainly others where it's like, it doesn't have to happen this offseason. There's nothing right. that says it has to. And there's reason to believe it may go either way. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if they were gone at the end of the off by the end of the offseason and playing for somebody else. I also wouldn't be shocked if they're on the Flyers next season. You know, it's just not going to all like you're not uh, if they're so hardened upon the fact that they're going to tell you it's not going down to the studs. It's not going to go down to the studs, especially in year one. Now, you well, may right. be able to look at the end of the whole process and say, well, they kind of did tear it down to the studs, you know, slowly, over, slowly but surely. But well, but it's, it's not going to be some big tear down. I'm just curious. And, the only thing I would be curious about is. We've had, how many times have we said addition by subtraction, right? Right. Well, and I'm not well, necessarily what's the level of addition by subtraction. Right. I'm not necessarily saying that they trade all of them, like you know, like you mentioned. I don't think they're stripping it down to the studs, but I I certainly wouldn't be surprised if you see one of them go this summer. I, I just can't I, see addition by subtraction being well. Okay, Kevin Hayes. No, Hayes plus another. It. Hayes plus right. Another. Like it, to me, it's got to be. And I mean, listen, addition by subtraction also kind of qualifies for, you know, as good of a pro as he was down the stretch. James and Reams, like qualifies. You're oh, yeah. not you're not bringing him back. You're gaining cap space. It yep. is what it is. But so I guess re realistically speaking, I guess that's one. Kevin Hayes could be two. But is there anybody else? And is it you know, is it somebody on the surface level that we kind of have speculated could be? Or is, or does it go deeper where it's? Yeah. You right. know what? We're getting into the Provorov, Konechny, Hart. Faraby range and it turns into something like that does it go that deep we're and we're gonna find out together I and that's kind of the thing that that's kind of one of the things that bothers me a lot because i got asked a question 
We're not asked the question. I got asked about my overall reaction to on OMB. I got asked about what my reaction was to the Keith Jones hiring and to Danny Briere fully taking over as GM and all that stuff and the press conference and all that. And we had done a show already by that point on it. So I mostly was repeating myself, but I had two. I said there should be two emotions or feelings that come right to the surface of this that every fan should be feeling, in my opinion. One is cautious optimism, and, it, and both words are very key to that, that phrase. The caution is you're never going to believe it's changed until you see it. Yep. But the optimism is the words are all different and the message is all different, and it's all the same across the board. Even now, that's, what the, that's the point of what happened with Danny Briere. And is, it's different people telling you. It's, it's sure, new that faces. Yep. It I is. think that's super and, important. And that's the point of Danny Briere saying we're going to listen, right? Like yep. we have to. We don't have a choice. We have to. This is the position that he's in. Like he's going, I'm in this position as GM and all of that. But the like I think if you say the word optimism, that immediately brings people out of the woodwork. Like no, I like it's the same old, same old. You're crazy, blah blah blah. You're just another one of the minions, you know, running around. Like, right. and that bo- that bothers me a little bit because I, I don't feel like it's the same thing. And if it turns out to be the same thing, you know what? We're going to call on it, right? Like we, do, like we do with everything else, but it doesn't feel exactly the same as before. It did on the surface. The day that they announced who the two hirings were, it does feel the same. And then for they start minute, talking, yep. and then they start talking, and they kind of outline the plan. And it was for a change. They use ass in the press statement. <laughs> but, they, but they got up there as a group of five, and for the first time in several years, it was well thought out. It was prepared. Like they actually went up there and were prepared for what was coming. Yep. We're going to talk. This is the message. You know, and all that stuff like that. So that was the good part. The other part of the equation, and again, I think this is across the board, frustration. Frustration that it took so long to get here because you've wasted valuable time that you could have been making this up. And you should be frustrated about it, but you got to approach the next chapter, the new era, with cautious optimism. That these are the people who are re- willing to go the direction that the old regime didn't go, enter into the modern day NHL, and build it differently. And you have to hope that they know what they're doing. 20, 30 years from now, I cannot wait to read Val Camillo's memoir. <laughs> oh, the stories that woman probably has, because she's been, she's probably the, the most stable face among that group of five. She's probably been there the longest. Um, in, in front office? In manager? the actual, right, in the actual yep. office. So You're right. She's she's seen the entire transition through, and the honestly, only, yeah. The re, re, actually, the only person who probably predates her, if you want to be very technical about it, which I guess I will be in this case, but it's if not. You say, it's if not, you say Keith really. Jones, I'm smacking you. No, I was going to say because by <laughs> before she came on board, I think Danny Briere was already doing the main Mariner stuff, and I guess in that regard, he kind of was in the inner circle already. He wasn't, a he wasn't bit, at the Wells Fargo Center on a daily. Not basis. all the time, no, and that's why I'm saying um, if you want, if we're going by formal title. She has the longest tenure of the formal titles. In right. Yep. So we've been talking a lot about the guys who might go, the guys that might be available, what we might get for them. I kind of want to focus on some guys who, quite frankly, there's not a lot of them in this organization, but I want to talk about some guys who are untouchable. Well, I guess as close as they can be, I guess, right? No. Okay. These two names, rock solid, untouchable. I can tell you with almost absolute certainty that they're not going anywhere. Because at this point, I have a counterpoint for one of them because I know what the two names are, but I have a, it's not going to happen this offseason for sure. So the two names that I'm talking about have made themselves a bit of a name recently, 
at the World Championships, and I'm talking about Cutter, the show, Gauthier, <laughs> and Scott Lawton, yeah. who, I'm telling you, I don't know if anybody's wearing a C this year, and I know Tortorella's, I know Tortorella said that, <laughs> but he's changed his mind before. I don't know if they're going to put a C on this year. Scott Lawton's the captain of this hockey team. De facto, yes, they're not going to put a C on him. I can promise you that, and I'll tell you why I can promise you that, because then you you don't run around and do this dog and pony show like they did, and Tortorella says, don't ask me the questions and all that stuff. And then after all of that, by the way, because we get past that point, right? Past the point of don't ask me about a captain next year. It, it, John, no. John Tortorella says that about everything. John Tortorella no, doesn't want you to ask him anything ever. <laughs> I know, but then he then they followed it up with the whole new era, and it's another year of that rebuilding phase. And so I don't see it actually happening in that particular case because I actually think that in that case I think he was right to say it. And so if it, ha- if it, it if feels it ha- a little unfair to Lawton, who if it if it happens, worth, if yeah. it happens by Thanksgiving, you buy me a Scott Lawton twenty one C jersey for Christmas. <laughs> I guarantee you it will not happen by Thanksgiving, but I'll t- yeah, so I'll take that. <laughs> I feel like All I right. can safely Rem- guarantee that. But either Rem- way, let's remember um, this timestamp, folks. There you go. Um, Let's talk about – so speaking of Lawton really quick because Lawton yeah. was kind of almost – <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. He was almost a forgotten part of the whole tournament in a way because there was that a is lot of – so Scott Lawton's career. Well, it is a little bit, but he, so hear me out, and I'll explain kind of why I feel this way. Canada wasn't very good in the round robin portion in the group play tournament part of the of the world championships, and USA was outstanding. USA won every game they played in the world championship group play. So, and oh, by the way, while Cutter Gauthier is one of the leaders of the team at 19, so lots of attention there. Crazy. And Lawton's on a team that, you know, I'm trying to remember who else they had lost to, but they lost a couple of games in the group group round that was like, oh, okay, they beat Canada and they beat Canada. Like, you were getting some shockers for, you know, the team that's able to usually send people over and all that type of stuff, right? Right. So Scott Lawton very quietly in 10 games played in the world championships, just put up three goals and eight points Quiet, quietly as a, as an, as an alternate captain, by the way. Oh yeah. Wearing a letter. Which like is, I'm saying wearing a, wearing a letter gets a gold medal. Awesome stuff, right? Cool. Cool. A good fantastic for him. Fantastic uh, for the guy. And, and, and quite a reward at the end of the type of regular, you know, of the NHL season that he and had. Quite, for quite like frankly, and, if he's healthy, I expect Scott Lawton to be invited back to the world championships next year. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I think, you know. Yeah, Unless have, asterisk, he's traded to a playoff team. But again, I don't sure. think that's likely. <laughs> sure. And you're, I mean, look, it's interesting because you're talking about a guy who in his NHL season is coming off of 18 goals and 43 points and was a you know career high across the board in all of yep. these categories. And it's like, okay, you know, that was, you know, so, but good for him, especially, you know. I, be- I believe he scored an empty netter in both the uh, the semifinal and then the championship as well. So to win the gold medal, like he's scoring the clinching goal. We goals. love that you for know, Scott. But, but doing it in a situation, like I know it's an empty net goal and it's kind of funny, like, right? But, that means but his coach trusts him to be out there defensively. Bingo. I was going to say, it means Bang. that you're protecting leads late in games. That's well, and, awesome. And, and we've known that Scott Lawton is supremely responsible defensively. He's Sean Couturier's mini-mini. Like, we, we've, you know, we've known that about Scott Lawton for kind of a while. But sure. it is it is really nice to see two guys kind of shining at the international level. I, I, I know the World Championships isn't the most uh, prestigious tournament of the year. 
but there were a lot of guys who didn't play. Yeah. Of course. And, you know, you don't – Austin Matthews isn't playing for Team USA. You know, it, we're not mincing any words here. We know it's – it's it feels a lot like the NIT. A little right? bit. It's not the NCAA tournament that the, the playoffs are, but, but you got the NIT going on in the background. But there is still fine. a lot of value if you're Cutter Gauthier at his age going from your freshman year at BC to playing at this level, which is – Kind of almost like I, I would liken it to it's like a free trial for an entry level contract in a way because it's, yeah. it's, as, it's as if they plucked you off of the BC roster and said, You're playing for the Flyers for the rest of the year because we signed you and you're playing here. And in 10 games, you get seven goals and nine points. Second in, the, second in the tournament in goals scored, by the way. Not bad. You no. know, I think that's that's pretty darn good. And most of them were pretty solid goals i mean the kids got a shot we know that right um but what i was impressed by and i I mentioned this on omb as well he had a rush through the neutral zone in one of the games i think it was the game they played against sweden the last game of group play where they where they went undefeated at that point and therefore took home the top spot in that that group he had a rush through the neutral zone where he hit another gear blue line the blue line and it was like oh okay this is good He's he can skate really well, like okay, and not that well again, not that we didn't know that that was a foundational element of his game, but but it's a little different from watching him do it with BC and then or or at World Juniors Zipping and by grown going, men at the IIHF. Well, and the thing for me, the thing for me wasn't okay. Lawton kind of qualifies into this category as well. If you want to go here with this, but it was one. It's 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 just something interesting to watch him on the ice playing a shift for the for the US in the World Championships, and then the next shift they go. And Alex Tuck is going for it in the corner. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's the type of teammates he's got? Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't just guys on his exact level drafted at the same time as he was, like in World Junior. There's real this vets is, here. Yep. Right. This is real veteran players who are going to be looking at him and going, oh, And Alex wow. Tuck was a star this year in Buffalo. Like, he was he not. He was very he... good. Absolutely. So, you know, that's just, that's the whole thing. I think that this gives you somebody, like, to me, the most exciting part about what Cutter Gauthier did is that he's not going to be on the Flyers next year, at least not at the beginning, that right. he is going back to BC, that he is going to play another year there, that that BC team, by the way, is going to be loaded. Yep. And, you know, so what's going to happen next for him? He's going to play another college year, certainly try to shoot for a frozen four berth because they're going to be a good enough team, team to probably be involved. Yep. And... I guarantee you we hear his name call when it comes time for World Juniors again because he's going to still qualify. So we'll hear about him again probably, you know, at the end of, you know, at the end of the calendar year this year when World Juniors roll around, he should be part of it again. Yep. He's going to play a lot of, he's going to play a lot of international hockey, hopefully over the next couple of years. But it's just great to see some, like, and, and this is what you hope for, right? Like you hope that this is the starting point where you got him fifth, you've got seventh this year. Is there another guy? Who knows? You may be tapping into the, you know, the roster makeup of, you know, one of his future teammates at Boston college could very well be the pick at seven. We it love very that. well could be. And if that's the case, chemistry hey, all year, baby. Well, yeah, but it's, you're going to be watching though. Everybody should be at that point should be glued whenever BC's on TV. You should be watching for him and then you'll be watching for whoever else they take. The if pick. that's the direction, yeah. if they, if that's the direction they go, they don't have yeah. to, but, yeah. but nonetheless, I, I thought that, you know, 
Oh, and by the way, the other part of it that was great, by the way, is I don't, again, these games were mostly on NHL Network throughout the course of it, and I'm watching that Sweden game again because I really didn't watch many of the games in full. I was kind of busy with some other stuff, you, sure. all that stuff. And again, uh, not the most prestigious tournament. Let's be well, honest. And, and also, it was, oh, by the way, it was held in Finland and Latvia, so the games were at like 9.20 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, they go out and they're starting to play Sweden, right? And it's it's five minutes into the game. They're on a power play, and I'm pretty sure he had five shots on goal seven minutes into the game because all he did on the power play was shoot to the point where Brian Engblom was doing color for the game. It was for whatever network. I guess it was TSN that was airing all this, and it was on NHL Network and all that stuff like that. And he at one point goes, well, they, they got to find somebody else who's willing to take a shot because it's all running through Gautier right now. And We love that. It's just great to hear that they've got a player who is certainly not afraid of that part of it when he's open and he's always in position to do it. And the only thing that you feel bad about is he had a great tournament individually. The team had a great tournament through group play, and then they got to the semis, and they were a minute and a half away from moving on. Yep. And it crumbled down at that point. They gave up the tying goal. It went to overtime. They lose in overtime there, so now they're not getting the gold or the silver. they got to play for the bronze. And then same thing. They were leading the game again. They it, it wasn't quite last minute of regulation, but they still give up the tying goal, and then they lose it in overtime again. And Gautier was on the it's ice for both for both of the overtime goals too, which was also unfortunate. Kind of, you know, it wasn't necessarily his fault specifically on those goals, but it's 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 also Never three on being three. a minus one on that play. It, it also doesn't yeah. help that it's three on three at that point for, you know. A stretch of time you're going to play a whole pretty much an entire period at three on three until you know assuming somebody gets you know right. doesn't you know like I, I don't think i don't know how you assume somebody doesn't score during that time frame but nonetheless as you're as you're playing that out it's like you know look you know how things can happen at three on three where there's way more space and all it takes is one misstep somewhere and and you're in trouble and gautier had in in the game against germany in the semis had a scoring chance in overtime. Made a really good play, actually, because he was trying to kind of go through a defender's legs a little bit and disguise the shot really well. He probably just didn't get a lot on it, and it was low, and so it was kind of easy to brush aside. But it was still kind of a deceptive shot that had a little zip on it for where he was shooting from and through somebody. So he's got the chops, and, uh, you know, I guess the next thing, like, I guess the thing to get excited about is, so he's got some good chops, and he had a good shot in this tournament, and you saw him display the good shot. And we know Tyson Forrester's got a really good shot. So you've got a few guys who can shoot that are going to be coming through here. And if they can be accurate shooters that deliver, you know, that kind of that kind of consistency to their game, then they can be really good players and be foundational for this team moving forward. But you're a long way away from just establishing that, like, like it, we're a long way away from Cutter Gauthier as a star, okay? But fair enough. But but he had a very impressive showing in, on a national state, international stage, with players who were, I don't want to say twice his age because it's not quite that much, but I'm sure there but, were some there, but over thirty. I mean, yeah, there, yeah. there were players over thirty that were there, and he played right along with them. So absolutely, and, and he did look good. And you know, speaking of international stages, I did also want to mention real quick that there was a little bit of news about the outdoor game schedule for next year. Uh, those tend to get a pretty decent little international audience. Uh, there are some rumors floating around that involve uh, basically an overnight, you know, not so doubleheader, but kind of a, a back-to-back of outdoor games at uh, MetLife Stadium, I believe it's called now. Uh, yeah. where on night one, two of the uh, 
New York area teams will play, and then on Friday night, another two will play. I believe the lineup I saw was Friday night, Rangers, Devils, Saturday night, Islanders, Flyers, or something along those lines. No, okay, um, so here's I, – I actually kind of have more. Okay, yeah, go for it. I don't, I don't know the specifics of days or whatever it's going to be. It's all kind of up in the air. Nothing oh, right, and all of this is rumored, right. Nothing formally announced, but the story is that it's going to be Flyers-Devils one night oh. and the two New, okay. New York teams the other night, which which is at least a change of pace because if you did Flyers-Rangers again, it's a little repetitive. It's like doing Flyers-Boston outdoors again. It's repetitive. Flyers-Penguins outdoors again. It's repetitive. Right. We want to see some new matchups. You change. I mean, look, is it another outdoor game for the Flyers? And they've had a lot since it kind of like since its inception. Yes. And so have the Rangers. But yep. getting the Islanders and the Devils involved is a good touch. Obviously, you're trying to keep it very close to the general area of what, where this is. And you're picking the four closest markets at that point. You're bringing Philly into it, New Jersey into it, and the two New York teams. Right. So certainly that qualifies. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I... Yeah, I, I, I will once we'll wait and see when the formal announcement is made. Sure. I do. And, I, I do think one thing that was interesting was that the reports of this came out not too long after the introductory press conference for the new era stuff mm. where Val Camillo directly mentioned talking to Keith Jones about what well, we got. We discussed the business side and, and the benefits of outdoor games, international games, what that does for everyone involved and with the league and all that stuff. Well, uh, no kidding, you were talking about it the day before that press conference, and if this is out huh. there, because it sounds like that's what the conversation was about. Are we going to take it outside again? And it sounds like they are, so. I wonder if Keith Jones knows anybody at the television networks who might have an influence on what teams play in outdoor games. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> anyway. Are we, are we sure it's on TNT? It doesn't matter. He knows people everywhere. He, he's worked for NBC for 20 years. That's true. Um, TSN before that. Um, <laughs> and the, and the, the man knows everyone under the sun. We've talked about that. But. Yeah, that's true. All right. So now that we've talked about Keith Jones again and we've talked about him on the television side of things, can we finally talk about the playoffs? Yes. We can, oh, the playoffs. We can finally talk about the playoffs. Okay. Where would you like to start? Let's start with the series, man, that had some of the best games I've seen in this playoff but did ultimately go down as a sweep. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear your comments on this then. Well, first and foremost, I'll give a little spoiler here. I said on the last show that if the Florida Panthers won this series, I wasn't going <laughs> to bet, bet against them again. And then they swept the Carolina Hurricanes. So I'm picking yeah. the, the Carolina <laughs> yeah. Panthers or the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup, just for the record. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that tongue twister, you know, that you, Carolina, the Carolina, Florida, yeah, Florida know, Panthers. I, the fact that I that was the first time I did that is impressive. Yeah. Uh, so. The Florida Panthers came in, and, and Rod Brindamore said it really well after Game 3. He comes out, and he, he basically throws his hands up and says, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> the guys are playing well. We're playing well offensively. We're playing well defensively. Our goalie is playing well. They're just getting one extra bounce. And he, he said after the series, he goes, this could easily have been four games the other way. Right. Okay. So it's funny. I, I didn't anticipate starting here. It was the last thing I wrote down in my notes, but I guess I'll make it the first thing I talk about because Brindamore's comments after game four, because he said they, he basically also tried to say, we didn't really get swept. I was there. But like, and, and, and he, he, as far as sweeps go, he's correct. It's four one goal games, three of which went sure, to And that's, and, and like, so my point with this exactly was like, 
like you didn't get swept? Yes, you did get swept. Was it an insanely close series? Absolutely. The goal total over the whole series was 10 to 6, and so you had four one-goal games. Could have easily been a sweep the other way, so I get it. I get what Rod Brindamore was trying to say. I don't think it came across in the best way because – Demands a hockey for, player. <laughs> well, and, well, and for the next – like 24 hours after the fact, all you had people sitting there saying was, is, oh, I was there, though, and it wasn't a sweep or this or or I was there and this didn't really happen or whatever. Like, like, and if, if you but think he, was trying he meant to that say, literally, come on. Now. Well, no, I, I know. I know you. I know you do. I know. And but. that's why I even said I know exactly where he was trying to go with it. And he's right for where he was trying to go with it. But to say it the way that he did was probably not the best. Yeah, he goes, we didn't act. lose four games. And, and like, by yeah, that, you did. Right, but he means by that he means we didn't lose four games. The Florida Panthers won four games, and they dragged it out of our hands. And he's not wrong. And okay, we, we could also start from the very beginning and sit there and say, well, really, it was at least a five and a half game series or something like that. There was a lot of hockey in this series, um, a lot, and we almost had more. I mean, you were three seconds, basically four seconds away from more. Yep, and that leads me to the fact that Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> scores the game winner in game one. Yep. Scores the game winner in game two. Both of which just getting off the ice immediately. Incredible <laughs> celebrations. The bus in 10 thing was phenomenal. Game three, he assists on the game winner. Mm-hmm. And then game four, he scores with less than five seconds to go to put them up a goal. And that's the end of that. Yeah. Man, we sat here and... We sat here after the last round and said, I don't know who's winning the, the Con Smythe and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm kind of tabling this a little. Sergey Bobrovsky's been really good. You know, Matthew Kachuk's going to have to do something crazy to kind of get himself in the conversation here. And then Matthew Kachuk did something crazy and got himself in the conversation here. I know. And, and I'm tabling the conversation on this until we get to the final portion of like the previewing the final more than That's the recaps. Fair. That is but fair. I definitely I have save some, it for that. I yep. definitely have new perspective on that I whole do too. race for sure. By the way, so I'll I'll give you my thoughts on Kachuk though without going into the Con Smythe conversation yeah. for you because I'll here's here's as simple as this, of an explanation as you need for all about him. League we sit here we sit here on Tuesday night. Has he been sober since Wednesday night? Since Ooh, they I won game four? Um, well, he was, he was on he was back on TNT on the NBA panel. Right. And, I think that was Friday or Saturday night, though. So he definitely went out and had some fun in the meantime. He was having fun, but he didn't seem like he was having. He wasn't. I'm trying to think. He wasn't having Nikita Kucherov levels of fun, I That's guess. That he wasn't yeah. having OV in the fountain fun. Yeah. Not. <sighs> well, you know why? Not yet. Not yet. No, he knows. But, man, been, I, I, I bet he was having some one, fun. You, anybody want to bet on that he's the biggest beauty to come out of like the post game when it comes to like if they you know, if, if they, they finish the off? Oh, he's coming out like Joe like Burrow gonna, with a cigar clamped between his teeth, be like all over socials. Absolutely. If he doesn't have a cigar in his mouth, I'm going to be extremely <laughs> disappointed, and Keith's going to smack him. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, he's a, this guy's a league superstar. He just is, he's becoming a face of the league. He's more and more becoming a player and, you should market heavily. And you, and you mentioned it. He was on the TNT NBA panel. And that, even just for a night, he just showed up and had some fun with him. He wasn't like breaking down any serious basketball analysis. But no, and the only look, he's still fairness, rubbing. He's still rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest sure. names in sports. Now, 
in fairness, I think the only reason that that actually ended up happening had more to do with it's Miami. So he, you know, oh sure, it's still it's the South like South Florida is vibing right well, now. Well, and if you play for the Florida Panthers and you're going to go party, you're going to Miami. Come on now. Well, and then and then the Miami Heat are doing what they're doing too, and you go, okay, you know, like it's a vibe right oh, now. Oh, Miami's going to be rocking. Yeah. So I, are those games going to be the same nights? Not exact. I don't think they're exactly the same. I can check on the NBA man, schedule. For I was going to say, if there are any games in Florida on those nights, man, that Miami area is going to be rocked. <laughs> so let's Ima- see. imagine game they um, imagine if like game sixes are the same night and they both win the thing. Holy no, okay. smokes! NBA, Miami uh, the, burns down. The NBA is not that crazy to put both together, but okay. no, but you want some fun then. Okay. Because my because my Miami is also the road team in the NBA Finals, right? Right. So you got games right. That's one, why three right. and so four. Games one and right. two. So so game three of the NBA Finals is on June seventh. Game three of the Stanley Cup Final is on June eighth. Game four of the NBA Final is June 9th. Game four of the <laughs> Stanley Cup Final is imagine, June tenth. Imagine being season ticket holder to both and just four nights in a row you got. And games. then oh by the way, if it goes six. June 15th is Thursday. June 16th is Friday. There's your two oh game sixes. That's and it. Yeah. That's it. Panthers and six. Heat and six. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this series a little bit more. Sure. Um, well, first of all, by the way, so uh, what was your prediction on this one before going in? I know you I had, oh, you had, I Carolina, had Carolina Hurricanes. I had Carolina Hurricanes in you five. Said Carolina in five, right? I thought they were, quite frankly, I thought the magic was going to run out. Okay, and I, I had Carolina that, in seven, and I still couldn't have been more wrong. And I thought Carolina was going to do to the Florida Panthers what they did to New Jersey. And they tried to. Yeah. And it turns out Florida just refuses to be pushed around like the New Jersey Devils kind of were in that series. I'm not knocking the team, but no, they no, got no, pushed I, around a little bit in that series. And the Florida Panthers just said, no, thank you. Rad Kogouda said, no, thank you. This, this team... The, the thing that's incredible about this team is that it's how many different heroes, how many different storylines, the comeback from round one, and then everything else that goes into it. The, the, and now it's the Kachuk and Bobrovsky. Well, and I, well, it part. is a little, it is a little bit. But I turned around and I did. I one of the one of the little uh, reels I made after the series was over was this is a team full of moments and just yeah. start counting them down from, you know, Bobrovsky comes in in game four, to start anyway, comes in as the starter in game four of the first round. In game five, they're down to it. It, it's, it could be over with one chance, and Marshan gets a breakaway at the end of regulation. Bobrovsky makes the save. Kachuk scores in overtime. Game six, the back-and-forth craziness. They go down 5-4. Kachuk comes right back with another goal. Here, here's where we start getting real moments, though. Like, cra- like Not that the Kachuk moments aren't real moments, but he's a star player. You lean on your stars, obviously, right? right? But here's where you start pick, picking out these moments. Etu Lusterinen. With a game winner in game six to get it to game seven. Then yep. in game seven, you're down to a minute to go. Brandon Montour again, you know, who had already scored a few big goals in the series, gets you another big goal before Carter Verhage gets another series winner. And then you move on to the next round. And it's again, yeah, is Kachuk a big part of it? Sure. And Sam Reinhart had an overtime goal against uh Toronto. And but you want to go to the real one? Go to game five when they clinch the series, and who scores the game-winning goal in overtime that time? Nick Cousins. It's not Kachuk. It's not not Markov. It's not one of those guys. It's Nick Cousins. Flyers slash Nashville Predators legend. 
<laughs> and then, yes, you go to this round, and it's a bunch of moments for Matthew Kachuk, of course. But yeah. well, I, 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 but as you get deeper, the the spotlight shines brighter, and they're and the, the only game tougher, on these. And you need your yep. stars. Yeah. And you're playing one of the most well-constructed rosters we've seen out of the Cap oh, yeah. era. You can say what you want about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I certainly give them their flowers. But in terms of roster construction, the Carolina Hurricanes have to be up there. Like They have put together an incredible yeah, team. So. This entire run out of them was still without Svechnikov and Pacioretty, who they – I mean, wow. Like, so if this I'm, team manages to re-sign Sebastian Ajo, they're going to be a problem for years. Sure. Um, so, as I'm, so as I'm following along with game one of this series – and following and following and following and following, and following, hours following. go by and I'm following, but you're you're going through this game and yes it's two two but and it's close and I kind of figured it was going to be a close series that's why I picked the seven game series to begin with. By the way, game one went to four overtimes. I don't know if we've mentioned that. Literally <laughs> down to the final thirteen seconds. Almost five, dude. So I thought, you were, yeah. You want okay? Here's how close it was to the fifth overtime, just for context. Then I had typed out on my phone the tweet that said, Keith Primo, <laughs> "No, Keith Primo watches on." Oh, so you were still up? You still watched? Oh yeah. Okay. Can I tell you when I bailed? When did you bail? About six minutes before the goal. Not bad though. You hung on I, for a while. Well, I am. I do also get the benefit of Central Standard Time. It was only about yes. twelve fifteen here, twelve thirty. Um, but yeah, I finally tapped out and then I woke up the next morning and went, Oh, it finished like 10 minutes later. That's, that's disappointing. Like I, I wish I had just stayed up and watched Um, it. well, and here's the thing. So I almost missed the goal because in the final 20 seconds, it looked like they were just going to basically skate around in a circle to Do get what they'd to been the doing. intermission because right. it just felt that way. And it, of course there was a turnover in the process that leads to the goal anyway. Yep. And so by the way, so I, obviously you ended up eventually seeing the highlight of the goal if you didn't of see course. it live. Yeah kind of funny to me how we're looking down the same end of the ice as primo scored and it's not that far from the spot where he scored it's and it was pretty short side high like it was all very relative to that except we for being needed, in the fifth overtime we just needed jim jackson on the call because that call is well uh, you had him uh, with the florida games in the first round you, you, you know sometimes it doesn't all he had, he had the opportunity but either but either way um when it gets to that point so I, that but that's how far along i was into it that with there's 30 seconds left in the fourth overtime. You're typing am, out your after overtime tweet. Well, I'm typing. No, I'm typing out. We're on Keith Primo watch officially. Yep. We're going yep. to the fifth overtime. And let's be real about when you go to the fifth overtime, because the last example we have of this was the Braden point in with the Tampa Bay Columbus. Game, Man. Right. Yep. And that one came up about what? A minute and a half short of where Keith Primo scored. Like, it was Something right like there. That, it, was, yeah. it was almost to the point where it was going to pass to go longer than that. This game, by the way, was I think the fifth or sixth longest game in history. The sixth longest game in history. But if you get into that fifth overtime, you start climbing the list pretty quick. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but here's, so here's my, here was my thought though. Once Florida won that game and got the first one, and was up one nothing, but didn't but didn't just get the first one because it, it would have been one thing if they win the first one three two and it's a regulation game and it's like ah okay you know whatever no they won it in four overtimes nearly four full overtimes a marathon I I knew the series was over oh yeah like I just knew like it's so hard to come back from that mentally when you're on the other side you pour in, so much in into Carolina. The game. Right, and you pour so much into it and then come up compl- like basically you know yes it's just one game but. It's a lot spent that in a game that isn't a win. I, I do also want to mention the goal that almost counted in the first, I think it was the first overtime. 
uh, that ended oh, up getting the, um, called back. Yes. And probably six or 7,000 Carolina Hurricane fans got up and left as soon as no, the puck they got went back in. in they well, got back. I understand, but I don't blame them because, like, the puck goes in. If I'm there, I'm up and gone because I, I totally understand. But then, the way, the, yeah. man, you got to be halfway out the building and you go, the goal is under review. And you, what? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the funnier part to me about that wasn't the fans up and leaving and then coming back in. It was the part where that gets waved off. I think it was like, what, 246 in overtime or something? It was quick. Like yeah. the first overtime. And, was and then you're early. there all and then night. You're there for the rest of the night. Like you're sitting here thinking, oh, okay, yeah, typical overtime. It doesn't last that long. Okay. If, if you, know? you had plans after the game, cancel them, kids. Yeah, for real. Like you were halfway out the door to maybe go to the bar and then you turn back around. And next thing you know, you realized, uh. You were already texting your buddies like, oh, buy me, get me around. I'll be there in 10. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, So, yeah. No, and, you know, Kachuk with the goal there. And it went, once it got down to that point, and like, like we already brought it up, but have three game winners in just the conference final the overtime game or not overtime but three game winners two in overtime in the conference final is just crazy now i do want to i had a couple of question marks in here for a couple of things because okay kachuk got the game winner in the series clincher in game four and they were on the power play any thoughts on the call there because i kind of had it's not that it wasn't a penalty. It was just they had let a little bit go earlier. And and to me, if that's a tripping penalty at the end of game four, then I don't care that the stick hit Shane Goss' bear in the visor at the end of game three. It was still a penalty. Right. And you and you no, have the fair. reason and you have a reason to call it if you're gonna call that penalty with a minute left in regulation of game four, also. That's all I'm saying about that. So the, you're and, you're and, not trying to imply that the NHL always has consistent officiating, are you? <laughs> Oh no, and I'm just no. Okay. What I'm trying to do is talk about how once again something overshadowed something a little bit. I don't. I mean, look, Kachuk is. I don't think great, it did. But, yeah. but okay, you, you you know it was more debatable than the penalty portion of that. It was whether or not there was goalie interference on it because that was a lot more Fair debatable. Enough. And look, it, it it helped matters that when you went back to the studio once it was all said and done, that you had a future Hall of Fame goaltender sitting on the panel. Who could tell you how it feels, I guess, if you got a stick in between your pads in the middle of trying to move and push off to, from your left to your right and tell you, you know, it is what it is. He, he Now, in fairness, is he didn't hook his pads. He didn't poke at anything, but it's there. And, you there know, like, obstruction. there's obstruction. You also have, you know, the defenseman's coming in from the side, kind of sliding in. So it's a lot of chaos going on. So you kind of like you figured the call was going to end up standing, but you're looking right at it and seeing there's a stick there. And it's like, you know, you know, like it couldn't just be straight up a clean goal. We got to have this too. Like, it's always something with this, but fair, but look, still the, look, still the team that came out and ultimately found a way to win four games as close as it gets. Oh, by the way, um, the one nothing game in game three, the first career playoff shutout for Sergei Bobrovsky, which sounds wow. like it sounds unreal, right? Yeah. You know, like it was just, you know, just that kind of that kind of series where I mean it just progressively went lower too. You went three, three, two, two, one. Oh, by the way, look, can we go to the two one game for a minute? Because Kachuk scores in overtime there too. And yes, I know like same kind of concept. The celebration was great. He's like, Leo's get off the ice. Bus and ten, which like bus and ten's gotta be on a t shirt somewhere. It's gotta oh, yeah. if they do the thing, it'll be on t shirts at the parade for sure. It probably. But can we go to Alexander Barkov's goal that tied that game? <sighs> 
because that might be one of the Oof. best polls. And I don't, I, I know you didn't see it because you're not on Twitter, but I tweeted something out afterwards. Did it remind you of anything? Did watching that, did watching that Alexander Barkov goal remind you of any particular goal that we should remember from somewhat recent memory? What's that? I can't think of it off the top of my head. I remember a game. I remember a game in April, uh, 2018, I believe, where a particular Philadelphia Flyer got a breakaway in overtime and faked between mm. the legs, also, and went backhand. Right, 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 right. It looked a lot like it, did it not? I it mean, did. but still, there's there is another element to in the playoffs. We're further into the playoffs. So you're in the conference finals. You're playing a team that that is the it was the best in the East outside of Boston. So the second best team in the league in the entire season is who you're playing with a defense that is as stacked as it gets in terms of personnel. And you still had the frame of mind to go. You know what I can do when it gets to me all alone in front. I'm pulling it between my legs. Nope, never mind. I'm going back and I'm going backhand. Crazy! What a, and, what a skill play, and he, and boy did he come out in this series in terms of oh, being yeah. exactly what kind of player he is—the selkie worthy player that he is. He's warming up, and and if you look at it, the Florida Panthers sit here and they've gone through the top three teams in the East. So like they and and if you remember going into the one, po- two, and four. Okay, sure. In the league, but, in the league, and if you remember going into the postseason, what was the narrative? Oh, the East is just so much better. You know, the the West might be a little more competitive, but the East is way more top heavy, way more dominant. And the eight seed is here. And And the eight seed is here. And I hear you. It it does bring me back to what we said on the last show after the second round. Once once they got, because getting through Boston was remarkable. It just felt, and and, and down 3-1 and all that And then getting through Toronto was hilarious. Well, get it, yes, but at the same time, the other part of getting through Toronto was, is that it, it made, at least for me, it made me go back and go, Maybe we just kind of glossed over the fact that this team won the President's Trophy a year earlier. I was going to say, if I told you... Like, they were really good. If I told you in September, hey, the Florida Panthers um, are in the conference finals, and Sergei Bobrovsky is uh, uh, playing some of the best hockey of his career, and they're about to sweep the Carolina Hurricanes, you would have looked at me and been like, okay, yeah, I mean, they probably got a little better, but because preseason, they were... The reigning president's trophy winners and this team right. that had had made the Jonathan Mar or um uh, not Jonathan Marshall um the Matthew the Kachuk for Matthew uh, the, Kachuk for Jonathan Huberdeau to Jonathan yeah. Huberdeau trade and yeah they traded away Mackenzie Weger but that's okay because like they, and here we are and we're a little surprised but we're only surprised because of the regular season right it, we all knew that they made that move to get tougher in the playoffs, to have a little bit more edge to them. And who has been their best skater in these playoffs? Matthew the Kajuk. guy they got. Yeah, Bang. the guy that they got. Bang. All right. I think that puts yeah, a nice it, little wrap on the Eastern Conference here. Uh, we ready to switch over and uh, talk yeah, about let's, the West? Yeah, by, by the way, here's the, here's the real nice wrap, by the way. So yeah. you, just mentioned, you just mentioned they beat number one, number two, and number four in the league. Guess who number five is? Man, Florida Panthers are going to run the gauntlet here if they want to win. If they do, they've gone through the best of the best, no matter what. Because they can't put an asterisk on it. Because they couldn't. Because the other part is they couldn't play one, two, and three. Because Because two and three played played each other. other. Yep. So they couldn't do that. So they they did the next best thing, which is they beat the better of the two. Though you cannot put any sort of asterisk on what the Florida Panthers have done at this point. Uh, So 
out in the West here, this series uh, didn't have the courtesy of ending in four so we could actually record our show in our normal Sunday morning time <laughs> slot. Uh, instead, the Dallas Stars extended uh, the series after being down 3 nothing. They won game four. They won game five. We'll talk about Jamie Benn in a second. Yeah, uh, Jamie Benn returns for game six and they lose. So I just as a quick stat before well, we get into Jamie Benn here, they were 0-4 with him and 2-0 and without him. Well, I was uh, going to what I was going to say is at least they had the courtesy to end it in game six. So we weren't recording true. tonight on like a cliffhanger. We weren't recording um, a what if show. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that, and I was kind of not I didn't disappointed either. to see the three nothing lead after the first period. Be three like, nothing, okay. which turned into four nothing, five which nothing, turned into six, six nothing. nothing. Yeah, game yeah. six, the Dallas Stars really did run out of steam. But yeah, uh, so Vegas came out and just kind of ground out three wins in the first couple of games. Dallas just looked a little flat, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about game three because that's kind of where this series. Oh, yeah earned its its merit as a playoff series yeah because well the whole jamie ben thing is half the story with this series so exactly it, yeah. so the vegas golden knights are up two nothing we're going back to dallas game three starts vegas scores right away within within about a minute and a half vegas is up one nothing mm-hmm. and jamie ben as he has been known to do from time to time in his career has his wires crossed and he just kind of attacks Mark Stone. And the the thing that really crossed the line is after he knocked him down, mm-hmm. uh, Stone's lying prone on the ice, and Jamie Ben just clear as day, cross-checks him in the side of the head. Right. Like, uh, it, it's Very hard. clearly as hard as he can. It, it, you know, it should be noted that the first half of what goes on there is nothing wrong with. It's a contact it's a battle. play, and he, yep. and, he fall, and he falls over. There's nothing wrong with that part of it. But then, It's a battle in a playoff and, and, game. And Jamie Ben's reasoning behind it was I was falling <sighs> and I fell on my stick. Which no, there was intent there. Like, so I, I hear intent because he cross-checked him right across the basically across the neck. So I said this in the group chat after that discussion, but that was so Jamie Ben didn't speak to the media the night of the game. So he got kicked out of the game. It was a five in a game. Um, he he refused to speak to the media after the game. He left immediately after the game was over. The next day, uh, I believe Beast. it was I believe it was right after his hearing with the league. Because, Probably I, I, right. I, I think he talked to the league. He talked to the media, and then the suspension came out. Um, yeah, something like so that. So he comes out and says, uh, you know, I fell, and it's unfortunate that I used my stick as a landing point or something along you, those lines. Uh, do you know what's funny about that to bring the unfortunate play line into it, to be okay. honest? My first thought when he said that or when I heard that that's what he said was you were wit- direct witness to – the true definition of unfortunate play in game one of the playoffs because the unfortunate was, okay, Matt Dumba and Joe Pavelski, was it probably a little late so you could call interference? Sure, but he's just throwing a shoulder hit that right. knocks them over and then he hits his head on the ice. That's unfortunate. He's not intentionally trying to knock his head to the ice. He's trying to lay a hit. Was it a little late? Sure. But does he, well, is he yeah, doing but it they, to lay a hit? They benefited from that, so it's... <laughs> No, I know, but you know what I mean. But it's like right. that's an unfortunate. Because, well, because yep. because then after that, the rest of the series is affected because Pavelski didn't return for the rest that's of the a, series. I agree. So that's an unfortunate play. Not I took my stick and I cross checked the guy across the neck. I said so. I said in the group chat that that is the least sorry I have ever seen a professional <laughs> athlete after a questionable hit because all he has to do in the court of public opinion, he might not win over a lot of fans, but all he has to do is come out and say. It was an unfortunate play. I, it got the best of me. Um, I'm glad Mark's okay. 
Right. That's all he has to say. And everyone goes, all right, well, you got angry. You were kind of a jerk. Okay, fine. But he said I, what he said. He said, oh, I, I fell and used my stick I as a landing problem. And all I wanted was for a 20-game suspension. You're not now, sorry. I would love, now, one thing I would love to see is, and I don't know if we're, we'll get this or not. I hope we potentially do. Is whenever the next episode of Quest for the Cup comes out and they show you, I guess, the handshakes and all that stuff, I would love to know what was said because they had a long conversation. I'm sure they did. Yeah, and, I mean, it's the two Stone, captains. And, and Stone looked very cordial about it. So I, wa- I just wonder if something was. Well, he won. I, of course he is. No, I know, but it didn't seem like. It just didn't seem like it was done like with hostility towards what had happened. It felt right. like there was some amend making going on in, in some way there. Um, I, I'm so, sure that I'm sure I would, I would like to think anyway, that Jamie Ben is the type of person to and listen, there's a lot of, well, not just to apologize, but to look at somebody like Mark stone, who also has not won in his career right. and, and acknowledge like, go get you one. Like you're a right. really good player. Go get you one well, here, you know? And, and this- Right. And so I'm going to ask you what you think about the punishment itself, because we talked about it a little bit in the group chat and Mm -hmm. you you drew a comparison to the Alex Petrangelo situation from the second round. And in in terms of I wasn't expecting much. Well, and you said we have precedent intent to injure is one game in these playoffs and directly in these playoffs. Yes. Well, right. And the suspension comes out, and it's two. And I, I think the difference was the head contact, to be honest. Probably, but like... The I, fact that Alex Petrangelo just chopped Leon Dreisaitl across the arm. But um, even then, and we, and we had a discussion last week about this, and we, yeah. we and it's funny, we argued the exact same thing, which was, okay, listen, if you want to, at the end of the game, give Darnell Nurse the one game for <sighs> jumping into... No, for jumping into fight after, or, or for getting an instigation penalty Insanity. in the final five minutes, yeah. then fine, but then give Petrangelo two, and then guess what? The suspensions would have matched. Right. And in this case, um, they did not match. Obviously, Ben got two games. Dallas came out and... Won the and two won games the without him. Two. Because quite frankly, after he got kicked out of game three, obviously the Stars had to kill off a five-minute power play. And I believe Vegas scored at least one on that. Did they not? Vegas scored one and then scored Vegas, right after it was Right over. after it, it ended. Right, three that's nothing what before it was The game wasn't seven minutes old and it was three nothing. And you knew it and, was over. So that was my first part of the problem was he directly affected game three by doing by, with the match penalty. Not, not just affected. You what, threw right. game three down the drain. Well, you're I, down, I, I have you're down, those words later. <laughs> right. You, you're down one nothing. If you lay a hard, clean hit on Mark Stone, that can get your team fired up. That can get you back in the game. Instead, your wires crossed. You took a stupid penalty. Your team went down a man for five full minutes, gave up a goal there, and then gave up a goal right after. Now you're down 3 nothing, less than halfway through the first period. Jamie, hello. I'm trying to remember... If, I. If I'm well, because the final of that game was four nothing. So yes, I think that it actually once that third goal went in, they changed goalies too. So another like, yep. like that. It's disastrous to go into a game, like that, give up, give up a goal early, and, and you give up a goal early for no reason. Like, there's no specifics behind. Like, there's there are obviously, but it's, it's not like it was a penalty. It's not like it was this happened and, and then they scored. It no. you had done it. You were already off to a slow yep. start with the one nothing, and then the penalty, another goal, another goal, short order and after it's all over, and the goal was Yep, you right. decided to just kick any shot at game three down the drain. But so, but this is so. Here's my reasoning for calling it half the story, though, because okay, he directly affects, and they, it, game three becomes that throwaway because of it. By being suspended for the next two, the rest of the team looks like they're playing to get him back. Yep. They like they're playing really two really good games to make sure with this like well, his, and, basically and, make sure his suspension is not what does them completely in that they're still well, alive. And here's where and then I'm they let on... him then. 
yep. they lay another egg in game six. And here's where I'm at on Jamie Benn, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier with my joke about being 0-4 with him and 2-0 without <laughs> him. But, because you didn't really have him in game three, but whatever. Anyway. Right. In game six, I, I know, I know that you're kind of out of gas. And I know that Vegas has been a better team over the course of this series. You dug this hole in games one, two, and three. This isn't, it wasn't a problem in game six specifically. The Dallas Stars were just out of gas. Mm-hmm. But the performance was lifeless. Yeah. They looked like a team. If they looked like a team that was playing to get Jamie Benn back in games four and five, they were playing like a team that didn't like him in game six. <laughs> like, um, and I, I, I don't know if Jamie Benn loses the C. I don't know how much sway he has in that locker room. But I feel like this playoff series is the kind of thing that has gotten captaincy stripped before. I don't think that he's going to get stripped of the captaincy per se because the fact that and and this was my response because you put this out there like this is part of the group chat kind of stuff and you put that out there and and I even said well gee you know for the defense tour that they all just went on I kind of find it hard to believe you would do something like that when you talk it up like that like that just like that sounds like it just leads to more problems but you have to defend your guy when you're in battle well and I which I get which is why my bigger question is what's his future like in Dallas all overall, because the, remember, this is a team for me anyway, that I praised heavily because of the way that it was sure. they had a huge draft in 17. They've got other key draft pieces that have worked out. They've also acquired a ton of these pieces as well, put like Pavelski and all stuff like that. And Jamie Ben was a great regular season asset this, this year. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic in the regular and, season. He looked like Jamie Ben of 10 years ago. Sure. And sticking it out with Ben and Sagan and getting through kind of a retooling on the fly kind of process is exactly what you would want to see. But you almost wonder if like, if there's something, but what kind of message is he sending your kids? What kind of message? Well, you got to wonder if Miro Heiskin in. Yeah. If there's something that's going to give out of it, yeah, it's going to be so. It's going to be interesting. Now, the last line I have to kind because I want to get to Vegas because they're the team that obviously we're going to talk about. But the last line I have on Dallas was, you know, not many teams are going to win a series where you throw two games completely away. Like, if you have, you know, look, very competitive games one and two, overtime again. Like, which by the way, how much fun was that? The first four nights of this of this of both series, you're going okay. Game one, game one, game two, game two, and it's overtime every night. Yep. Like. It was, it was actually a little – and then the funny part was is you get to game three of the Carolina-Florida series, and Florida's up one nothing late, and you're sitting there going, is it going to happen Carolina's going to score, right. Is it going to happen again? And then finally, then then game three of this one came I, along and, and ruined it all. But. I came so close to live betting overtime in the middle of that third <laughs> period. Oh. But either uh. way, so that all of that said about the Dallas side of things, props to Vegas. There's going to be – I mean, listen, there's going to be a lot of discussion about Mark Stone, how he didn't play for the last half of the season, then was ready to return for the playoffs and what Again. that was, you know, and when the cap is no longer a thing and all that stuff. But he's always been a great leader in my eyes. Um, yep. The rest of their depth is just outstanding. Yep. Look, look at game six as the best example of it in the early stages. And I, I wrote down William Carlson here and William Carlson did score a goal and all of that. Don't get me wrong, but. It's if you're the, the opening statement of game six, it's not Jonathan Marshall. So it's not Carlson. It's not Riley Smith. Again, it's not Eichel or stone or Chandler Stevenson. It's William Carrier and Keegan Colasar that are yep. scoring goals and making an impact. That is tough to beat in the playoffs. Well, and you have Jack Eichel 
who looks like he's trying to remind you of the prospect that went right behind Connor McDavid in 2015. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, Jack Eichel is happy playing hockey again. And here's the thing. Do you know exactly how bad Buffalo sucks? <laughs> Think about. I mean, I kind of do, obviously. Man, but... Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Eichel, everybody. You leave Buffalo. If you don't like being in Buffalo, go somewhere else. Because uh, hang on, hang on, smokes. hang on a second. Do you want to go to the other side? Sam Reinhart, Brandon Montour. They were former Buffalo Sabres uh-huh. as well. Like, uh, th- there's kind of a theme here. <laughs> Jason Botterill built a lot of this Stanley Cup final. (laughs) (laughs) His fingerprints are all over the winner one way or the other. They sure (laughs) are. But all right. So we do have Vegas coming through. They're they're rolling at this point. They obviously they they took advantage of a Dallas team that kind of ran out of gas a little bit. But credit to them for keeping their foot on. And I want to add another name to the whole thing here who deserves a lot of credit. Let's give Aiden Hill a ton of credit as well. I was was about to mention that they've gotten some great goaltending. Well. Because here's the thing, and Hill is probably overlooked a lot because let's face it, you start like, your career, you start your career in Arizona, and then you go to San Jose for a year. And then you don't even really get on the radar in Vegas in your first year there because the, he's the third or fourth because, goalie on the chart. Because Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois, then they acquire Jonathan Quick, and you're thinking the guys beyond this never play. And if you go back far enough, Robin Leonard, like they got him because as part of the issue when Robin Leonard went down, like Aiden Hill was never meant to be starting games for Vegas. Exactly. But here is Aiden Hill, goalie number four. And he's got the he's also got the team four wins away from a Stanley Cup. It's I love it. Now, I know we are going to probably now like we're going to start to transition to the preview of the actual final. But before we do that, and I kind of you you mentioned this to me like right before we start recording, and I do want to get in this because this is kind of yeah. overall playoff thoughts, and I just kind of had a few things that I wanted to kind of – I don't want to get up on a soapbox and do this, but I also <laughs> okay. wanted to do this because cause every year we get to this point, we're in the playoffs, the conference finals, and we usually have – you know we, we have a blast doing these shows because we get to talk about the fun stuff and watching these games, and there have been some great games. Don't get me wrong. But this year I don't feel as good as I did in other recent years, and like – I think the bubble was like the bubble was good just because it was something. It wasn't the same Stanley Cup playoff right. as it usually is, but we also didn't have sports for three to four months. So it was like we welcomed well, and we, and we had nothing else to do. So. Right. We welcomed anything. Twenty twenty one, more normal, and watching the Tampa Bay Lightning win in a full building again, that's thrilling. It was cool. Really there were they, they, there they were did a lot the of boat parade. <laughs> well, there were a lot of moments for that team as well yeah. on their way. Like that was good. And last year I felt like the action was just really good you had a lot of long series you had a lot of close games lots of overtime it was all really fun and then this year while i think you've gotten the share of the close games and you've had long series there's like there's been something lacking and maybe it's the fact that there's been more discussion than ever about penalties and player safety and missed calls and this and that and it takes away from the game a little bit but that's not what it like what really does it for me i think that that like Stuff like that happens every year and you either live with it or you leave, you know, like if it bothers you that much, the way that it's called, don't watch it or go watch another sport and tell me where the same conversation isn't had, you know, in any other. Hey, right. sport. Look at the last play of the Super Bowl. Well, pretty much. I know. And um, but, you know, like the first round, I feel like when we did our first show coming out of the first round, when it was all playoffs, 
I feel like it's exactly what we hoped it would be. We had so much to talk about. All these series are close. All these game series results, games close. And then the second round, we had a six-game series and a seven-game series, and at least half of those, you know, but, okay, like, that's good. But half the games in those series weren't even close. They were all blowouts. So you don't want to see that. You Like, I don't care if you get two to one games or seven to six games. Competitive in any form is good, but five to one and six to one on the regular, it's not really successful. And then you go to this series, this round, and after the first six games, both series are three nothing. Right. Well, and here's the thing. Well, in this round, until Vegas beat Dallas four nothing in game three, you had five really close games. Right. You know, all you know, all decided by one. Several overtimes. Right. But there's still a feeling of being robbed in the Florida Carolina series because it only lasted four games. Like it's a sweep. And like, look, if you're a Florida fan, you don't care. You know. But you and you would you would take the sweep every day, and you know Vegas didn't exactly do the same. But to be up three zero, like, look, you're going to take that if you're a Vegas fan. The games in the conference final may have been great, and but the series were terrible from a competitive standpoint. That you want to believe down to the last four teams left, it's going to be more competitive than this among these four. You don't want to see sweeps or or three nothing series leads where you know what the odds are to get back into it. it and that it was, was pretty disappointing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm hoping. So I'm hoping that Florida makes up for it, but or Florida and Vegas make up for it. The final well, makes up for it. Florida's not losing a whole lot of hockey games at this point, so I don't know. Neither man. is neither is Vegas. That I is true. It. But all right. But, so prediction we time are, here. Yes, we are yeah. on to. We got two teams stuff. left. You got the Florida Panthers over your left shoulder. You got the Vegas Golden Knights over <laughs> your right shoulder. They're here. Kevin, I've already given my prediction away. Yeah, you did. I, I have the Florida Panthers in six games. I refuse to root against the Magic at this point. Paul Maurice, Matthew <laughs> Kachuk, Sergey Bobrovsky, they're doing it. Root, Kevin. Root against, root against the Magic. You're going to another city in Florida now. What are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. I had, I, it was too easy. You, you lobbed a softball up there for another joke. Okay. That's fair I'm enough. not going to do it anymore. Um, okay. Who you got? I'm also taking Florida in six. Florida um, in six. I here now i guess i'll give my reasoning um i can't pick against this team anymore this feel it's destiny it's destiny they've had so many moments and they're really just firing on all cylinders right now and i'm look vegas definitely is too but there's just something this is something really special happening in florida right now and 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 a big reason why i'm saying six and not seven even though once again my florida well even though my typical caveat here like I wouldn't. Be oh, surprised. it could go either way. Oh, yeah. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Is because actually the reason I'm saying six, you're saying in Florida, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But the reason I'm saying six is because this team plays so well on the road. Three wins in Boston, three wins in Toronto, two in Carolina. They're eight and one in the playoffs on the road, and have won seven straight games, like seven straight road games. Anyway, so that's. The reason, because I think that from day one of this on Saturday when game one is underway, I think that once again, this team is out to just show you being on the road to start a series does not matter to them. And if the, and if for some reason they win both of the first two, then look, I still hold by the sixth thing because I think that Vegas will still give a push, especially in game three, I would imagine. But let's let's not forget also that this is a team that the last time and the only other time they made the Stanley Cup final, they didn't win. They didn't win anything. They got swept. I got it. What's that? I know how this series is going to go. How is this series going to go? They're going to split the first two. Okay. 
Sergey Bobrovsky is going to get shelled in game three. <laughs> and they're going to win three straight? Alex Lyon wins them four, five, and six. No, it's never going to happen that way. Count I, it. I, oh, here's the thing. I actually don't hate your progression game by game. I just don't think it's going to be Alex Lyon, but. You heard it here first, kids. That's funny. Um, All right. I but, that's, but I do like that. So um, now, granted, in the middle of all this, because we're talking Sergey Borowski for a second, yeah. you know, things I can't I just can't wait to hear a million times during the Stanley Cup final are that, you know, all the revisionist history about what ifs if the Flyers had kept Borowski. You know, let's let's not forget we that had him as a prospect. Hold on. Let's on. not forget that the trade was to Columbus, not Florida, by the way. That was a right. decade ago. Uh, it had been a, it's been a decade, and until this season, he hadn't won anything in the playoffs. Um, and by the he way, how he did pick up a Vezina or two. Though, no, no, so in the playoffs. No, I understand, but he didn't win nothing. No, I'm, I'm just talking about playoff success. Uh, like, I know. like the Vezinas were one thing, and I get it. He became the best goalie in the league, but never won in the playoffs. So, Fair except enough. for maybe around, you know. But, but by the way, and I don't mean to do this, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to take the low-hanging fruit, but I feel like this is something that's going to come. I, I'm saying this is going to some, be something that comes up probably. This is why I have it written down because I wouldn't be surprised how many times we hear this. D does anyone wonder what Claude Giroux thinks of all this? Having been on this team a year ago a, and a going for the purpose of yeah, – Kind of, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that that thought – like, it, the thought crossed my mind. And <laughs> that maybe thought that is just, so petty and I love it. No, and maybe maybe that's more the recency of it. Like, he was on the team in last year's playoffs, but he's moved on. He chose his destination. It is what it is. Like, we don't need to harp on these, like, kind of tired storylines here. You want to talk about what's going on now and stuff like that. You know, that I is, guess. But, that is so petty. Um, all right, so we did, we did all of it. So we, so we did series predictions. Do you want to get into Con Smythe stuff really quick? Yeah, I think we'd hit a little Con Smythe prediction, and, and we're get about out to get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we both have Florida winning. Um, I don't think anyone on the Vegas Golden Knights has put up a big enough uh, resume where they uh, they win the Conn Smythe if they lose. Is that fair to say? It's, it's yeah, pretty oh, yeah, tough that, to do that. That's fair to say. No, I, I do have answers for if Vegas were sure. to win, who I think would get it. But, yeah, but let's, let's right. start with Florida because we do both have the Florida Panthers. Um, I think there's the two obvious names. Now, now do you want to take one of those two names? or Okay, I'll give you a little uh, little golf bet terminology here. Are you okay. taking, are you taking um, Bobrovsky <laughs> slash Kachuk or are you taking the field? For, oh, the Florida, taking, for the Florida Panthers specifically. No, I'm taking Bobrovsky slash Kachuk. Okay, and now, now among those two, who are you giving it to? So after last round, I was convinced if it was Florida, it was it had to be Bobrovsky. There was no other choice. Yep. Matthew Kachuk is firmly in that race now. It's very much neck and neck as they come into this Stanley Cup final. I think truth like so. Look, if it's going to come down to they have to win it to have one of these two win the trophy, which it's not always the case. But if it if it comes down to that, which I think it still will, like I, I Vegas ends up winning. I think someone from Vegas wins the trophy. Okay. But, but if, yeah, so if it course. comes down to, yeah. so if it comes down to Florida has to win it, then Bobrovsky's going to already have done enough to have won it potentially, like just okay. by winning, right? By putting him in a position to win four more games, he'll have already done enough. So I think it depends on the type of series that Kachuk has in terms of if Florida wins and Kachuk is just kind of like, okay, by the numbers and not like as standout, then I think Bobrovsky will get it. But if, if, Kachuk, Kachuk, if is, Kachuk scores the cup winning goal, he's getting it. 
my, my answer is if Kachuk continues to have these massive moments and scores yep. three or like if he scores three goals in the series, three or four goals in the series, and one of them is the cup clincher, I don't know how you don't give it to him. Man, there, there's a, a certain betting website in Canada that had a, a series goals prop bet for Matthew Kachuk at four and a half. For this and, upcoming series, you're and saying? The, and the over got pounded so hard that they changed it to five and a half. Wow. Yeah. That's how many goals I think he's scoring. I mean, look, I don't, I'm not surprised by it, but no. like, I was, and see, I took the conservative number. I said three to four for that reason. So um, did you, did you have a name out of Vegas? Yeah, I have a, I, well, I have a couple. I still, okay. I still think that Jack Eichel's probably the go-to guy for this. He's been thriving in this setting. Aiden Being Hill's giving himself a run though. Well, I, I have a comment on Aiden Hill about it, okay. but like, I, I understand where you're coming from with it. But, like, Eichel's been thriving in this setting, being in the playoffs for the first time, by the way, being near the mountaintop of the hockey world. I do think in the last series in particular, maybe, maybe tail end of the second round and most of the conference final, I do think that both Marcheseau and Carlson have started to enter the conversation. Mm. because They're really piling up some numbers right William now. William Carlson is starting to, yep. And, oh, is it, like, is it not feeling a little bit like, Six years ago, a it little. It feels like, a little bit hey, like forty-one like goal, those, wild Bill Carlson going on. Yeah. Um, I hear you on Aiden Hill. It won't be a goalie for me. It just it, it okay. won't be Aiden Hill. Even even though Aiden Hill's been great, he didn't come into the picture soon enough to probably be in the running. Like I, I just think yeah, I, I, I get that. I think, I think the body of work. Like it'd be one thing if I was still sitting here going, you know, I guess Eichel because I don't know, and Marcia So and Carlson no. don't have entry in the conversation. Like, I think all three are really good in the conversation, and I think because of that, there's too many players. Like, if you don't, if you recall, one of, the, one of our earlier shows, I had Eichel and Mark Stone there just because Stone came back, and it was like, look at the impression he's leaving on the rest he of the season. He was spectacular through the first and he round. Was, yeah. And he was really good in the first round, but then, like, he's he's not the main guy anymore. No. Eichel's, Eichel's still doing it. But man, Marcheseau and Carlson have been putting up some numbers in these last two rounds that make me start to think it might be that, one of them. That OG Golden Knights line just never fails, man. That has been one of the most reliable trios. They haven't always been a line, but one of the most reliable aren't, trios in hockey for the last more than a half decade. And point. aren't they just like, aren't they just fun to watch? Like, oh, group, yeah. the, the fact that they're still together. I mean, when you lump them in with everybody else that they've got, and I mean, like. Well, right. And if you think about all the the turbulence surrounding the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of the roster turnover and the coach changes and this, that, the other, those three are just rock solid, steady guys. Here yeah, they are. I mean, it's incredible. And, 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 and again, you get, you get a really good coaching matchup out of this final also. I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. What by the, like, by the way, do you think it's ironic at all? Like I found it ironic anyway, or slightly ironic that Paul Maurice is coaching in Florida. And this comes one year after he said, I can't go any further with Winnipeg. Can't yep. do anything more with these guys. And then, you know, in the same year that bonus is telling you, you know, they didn't, you know, no pushback, you know, no pushback. It turns at the out end it of might the be the guys. Right. So no, but, and then Paul Maurice gets here and look what happens, you know, and, and he also and, gets the ultimate pushback player because Matthew well, and, Chuck and, is the ultimate pushback player. And, and, and similar, similarly, like on the other side, when you go to Vegas and it's Bruce Cassidy over there and it's like, listen, it, and, and I saw this the other day, like it's no secret that there was – like we've talked about this before when we talked about Boston. There's no, It's no secret that there was you know, some dislike between players and coach in Boston when Cassidy was still there. But, but look, the dude's a good coach. I mean he's a really good coach. To do this again with a new team, first year, you know, 
in a way, this was kind of we we kind of telegraphed this series a little bit as an option because we all we kept sitting here saying, what if we get what if it's Boston, right? What if instead of Florida coming out of that first round matchup, it's Boston? They go all the way through, they get here, and it's Vegas on the other side, and it's the it's the Bruins against Bruce. Yep. You know and, what if that's it, what it is? And instead, Cass- we have the oh. Destiny team. <laughs> When Bruce Cassidy's there, but destiny is getting in the way, and I, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what what becomes of this because, you know, and I just, I just hope that we continue to get the close series, like the close game and the, the close games. And I hope we get series. a close series because we didn't get a whole lot of close series in this round. But I don't want, I don't want to be going into that first. Well, not, I guess it's not the first. Realistically, I guess the second Saturday game, game four, that would be right. I don't want to be going into game four and already thinking about thinking about. Well, Where the parade? Winning. Yep. You know. Yep. And you know, the only thing we can do now is kind of sit back and watch the games. We yep. got about we got it. Uh, game one is Saturday night. We're recording this on Tuesday night. I imagine it's going out Wednesday morning. Yep. Uh, got a couple of days. Game one. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to see some high level hockey. Uh, the whole series is on the TNT TBS family. Uh, it's not going to be on ESPN, so make sure you go check it out over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of things you check out, you should check us out on Twitter at YWT Podcast. <laughs> Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SportsTalkPhilly.com. We are everywhere, and we will be back after this. Our our next show is going to be your Stanley Cup final wrap show. It's probably also going to be a draft preview show, quite frankly. So We will (laughs) figure out exactly when we do this, but yes. We will have a lot going on over the next two or three shows, so make sure to... You know, drop subscribe to us, drop a like wherever you need to, and and get us back in your inbox because uh, we're coming with some good stuff over the next couple of months. So, until then, we'll see you.